Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and joining me today are... Mr. Hardwire. Jeff Kanata. And joining us today, he is the director of things such as the hit film 10 Cloverfield Lane, as well as episodes of TV shows like Black Mirror and The Boys. Dan Trachtenberg, welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm good. I thought you were going to stop at things, and it would have been... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really good. No, that would have yeah. been great. That would have been great. Yeah, um, much more evocative. <laughs> Are you directing me, Dan? You're directing. Me. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> he directs things. You're a thing. I direct things. I directed things. Yeah. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail uh, So uh, let's let's talk a little bit before we get to our review today. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what's been happening since we recorded the last episode of the Slash Filmcast. Yeah. The, what the bulk- isn't happening, Dave? <laughs> Come on. The bulk of that episode was recorded uh, two weeks ago, and in that time, many things have have occurred uh, in the entertainment industry. Uh, in general, let's just say, like, start off by saying, hope everyone's doing okay. Hope everyone's staying safe, doing social distancing, doing doing what you can to flatten the curve, and uh, help us get out of this situation. I think each one of us on this show, like we're basically not leaving our houses these days. Is that right? Like yeah. we're only going yeah. out for, I think that just last night as we're recording this, we're recording this on Friday. You're hearing it the following Tuesday, but uh, so many things might've changed since you, we record yeah. this, right? <laughs> a decade can happen in a couple of days now in America. Yeah. The running the joke is we'll keep missing like, yeah, the, uh, the, the next step, the martial law will happen by next week, right? Yeah. And then, very, very, by the time you're hearing this, we may all be, <laughs> under martial law that could yeah, happen it's yeah. it's very possible so last but uh last night i think uh the state of california declared like shelter in place for for as like a lot of people is my understanding right like you're supposed to stay in your house unless you have to go out for essentials is that right yeah so yes that's correct yes uh so it is now sh- technically illegal to leave your home except yep. for very specific cases although they are not policing that yeah yeah. yeah, actively. There's just social stigma against leaving the house these days. Yeah. But, uh, so, <laughs> in addition, like obviously, this uh, coronavirus and COVID nineteen pandemic has rocked the entertainment industry as well. Uh, specifically, like all movie theaters in the country are now closed. I think like uh, may, there might be a few here and there that are open, but like AMC, the largest theater chain in the country has closed for six to 12 weeks. Regal theaters have closed indefinitely. Landmark has closed indefinitely. Um, so there, there is no mm-hmm. movie theaters to be able to go to. And many yeah. of the major releases of the year have been pushed, uh, thinking about movies like A Quiet Place 2, which, by the way, I don't know if you guys remember, we were supposed to review this week. Um, and but now we're living A Quiet Place 2. We're so that's even better. Place 2, yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, Jeff, like, can you explain that analogy a little bit? Because you said you we were texting and you were like, "I'm living a quiet place too," and I kind of want to hear like your perspective. Well, I mean, I think that you're maybe overemphasizing the quiet part. I'm talking about the place. <laughs> you know, quiet place is about a family that has to stay in one place and can't leave uh, for long periods of time, and they have to be yeah. self sustaining. And it's when they go to, the, to go out alone, yeah. When they yeah, when they go to the grocery store, all the shelves are empty, and they have to scavenge for survival. And they avoid everybody, mm-hmm. so it feels you make noise and the monsters similar. get you. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what was really kind of moving to me when you texted me about this is like that you you now have to like explain to your children the different rules for like living right and getting by in the world. Yeah, 
That is one of the big things that resonated when thinking about A Quiet Place is so much of that movie is about how the parents have indoctrinated their children into a new way of living mm-hmm. uh, because of the premise of the movie. And I find myself doing the same. I mean, you always, or at least I have always tried to emphasize to my children that you want to wash your hands and you want to not touch your face, but there is a new level of urgency around all of that, that I don't think my kids yeah. quite rock yet and is hard to impress upon them. And, and I feel like they are seeing a level of tension around that, that they're not used to and kind of don't understand. Mm-hmm. It's funny how we normalize completely new things in our society. Like we just reshape to get used to these things. One thing I've noticed is uh, my daughter, Sophia, if you guys remember like the end of Snowpiercer, where you learn like the little like wrist twist that basically everybody does like yeah. by nature. Um, she basically does that for washing her hands now because we do a little wash your hands dance. So now whenever I say wash your hands, she just rubs her hands together no matter where she is. Um, clearly, like we are, they're trained so early. This is going to stick with her for the rest of her life. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, kind of wanted to check in on each of you and how your quarantines are going because we're all basically trying not to leave the house. Um, mm-hmm. Dan Trachtenberg, how, how has your quarantine been? Um, it's been okay. Uh, you know, we're happy and things are fine. Uh, it's tough with a child. It would be, if if we, if we were just, just the two of us, it would be like kind of great. It would be like binge watching every show we ever wanted. And I'd be playing video games literally all day. And, um, it just would be a marvelous, awesome, there'd be, there'd be a, a beautiful silver lining. Um, but with the kid, it's a little bit more challenging. And she she's of the age that it's not like we can like be playing board games together. And, mm-hmm, you know, right. she's just a little bit just like just like the, my fellow um, momentary podcast hosts. So uh, it's it's challenging. It's fun, too. Uh, but it's also hard. Uh, there's people that have it way harder. Um, I definitely recognize. But um, it's it's definitely not. um it's I w- it was easier for me to watch and play things um, before, and now that we're stuck in the house, it's actually harder for me to do yeah. all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, Dan, you know, uh, Dave brought up the uh, entertainment industry, and you were actively shooting something when this all went down away from yeah. home. Can you right. talk a little bit about – I mean, you don't have to talk in specifics, obviously, but um, – can you talk a little bit about what that experience is like sort of inside the industry and how production is shut Ooh. down and what travel was like around that? Uh, yeah, I was doing a pilot in Toronto, uh, a show called Langdon. It's like a prequel to Da Vinci Code um, and a network show, CBS and NBC, both a part of it. And so it was it became this corporate policy of uh, and at first there was one producer. There's there's a couple of producers on the, on the show, and only one through her corporate policy was allowed to to come because she was already traveling. The other had to stay put. That was like early on in the process. And then I had a friend that was on a movie in Budapest, and he right when Trump made that announcement of uh, no things are being Europe, uh, right? no travel from Europe. Him, his whole crew. It was like. 4 a.m. his time, he's like, I'm racing to the airport right now. I have to like fly. We just got shut down um, and we're flying home. It's like, oh my God, crazy. That, and that was that I didn't even occur to me that that would happen to us. Even then that felt like, oh, it's just because of some crazy restriction. And they just want to make sure that, that they're able to 
come home. They don't want to be stuck in it, you know, whatever. Um, and then it, it quickly escalated and became inevitable that the shoe would drop on our show as it was happening on everyone else's show. Um, and it was, we were two days away from, um, camera that we say, you know, two days away from, from the first day of shooting and, uh, and they, yeah, we got shut down just like there's, there's, there's a few shows shooting in our same complex and one of the other shows it happened to, and then we're like, Oh wow, this is actually, and we were like, literally like, Oh, scouring location photos. And I was rehearsing with the actors and, um, and then suddenly it became, why am I even doing that? <laughs> like, this is, this is going to happen. Um, and it did. And then we had like a day or two to, to fly back. Um, and the flight home was, and my family was with me, which was good, but also challenging. Um, but, uh, the silver lining in, was like experiencing air travel the way that we wished it could be in some senses, aside from the fear of being contaminated. It was aside like, from the mortal fear of death. Air yeah, travel but, you was know, awesome. Everyone's <laughs> watching, but there's no one there. I mean, there's no one to be contaminated by. I mean, it was so empty getting to just sit down and eat something. And it's not like a packed situation where there's nowhere to sit and you don't have time We go right through security um, the plane is half empty and arriving in LA was a little bit more congested, a little bit more normal, but still not so bad anyway. Um, but I will say, you know, to, to speak more to the industry stuff rather than, um, like going forward, it is a little nerve wracking. Uh, I mean, what we're, we're, this industry is experiencing the same thing that most people are experiencing in terms of, I don't know what is going to happen. And I don't know what my job can be. And right now, the only thing I can do to make money is develop things because I obviously can't be producing anything. Um, so I'm in that mode, but like I have projects that are as many people are, have been in the past five years weighing between, is this a streaming thing or a theatrical thing? Um, and I had something, I have something that is um, I was sort of trying to wage, wage a, uh, argument to make it a theatrical thing. And now that's me realizing how impossible that would be in this moment suddenly created this larger haunting echo of like, could this be a cultural shift in yeah theatricality at all you know yeah, maybe like, there won't be theatrical moment? things anymore <laughs> mm -hmm. i mean i feel like that's historically when there was a time when this was happening and there was a time when this was happened i feel like it's largely attributed to these current events that were taking place at the time that ensured the fate of those things you know um and maybe this is a thing that creates a large and this is very glass half empty and and the more neurotic worried side of me, but I do, um, have real fear of, uh, of, of, of arcs, the way we were, what we grew up with and what we experienced, the way we experienced media. Um, I mean, Dan, it's already been, if you, yeah, sorry, sorry yeah. to interrupt you. No, I didn't mean to, no, 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 no. I bet if you, um, if you asked, you know, 14 year old you, if mm. there would always be blockbuster videos, You'd be like, yeah, of course there will always right, be blockbuster right. videos, right. you know. Uh, Where else that's gonna write Judgment Night? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Where else am I gonna write? <laughs> I feel like this movie was exactly what kept blockbuster in business. Things like yes. this. 
Yeah, and, yes. that, and that is why we're talking about it. This <laughs> um, the, I've, I've certainly had the thought, you know, I have a three, almost four year old son and I have yet to take him to a big screen movie experience. I just, it just hasn't happened yet. I didn't think he was ready yet to sit in a place with other people for that long. And there's a little voice inside my head that says, maybe he'll never have that chance. I mean, that's pretty dark and seems extreme, but it, it isn't outside the realm of possibility that there just won't be movie theaters, that it'll be like describing to my son what Blockbuster Video was. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, when I was your age, son, we had these places where everybody would go and it would be like there was a big television in the front. And we'd all watch together. The before mm. times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by, the mean, way, well, by the way, though, I, I just want to want to pivot off that to say that I'm sure you guys saw some articles as well. Now, I don't know about the drive-in situation. Yeah. The drive-in yeah. theaters got a little bit of a tick. Now, now that may not be the case anymore. But, you know, we grew up at a time where our parents told us about drive-ins and we were like, yeah. well, what is that? You know, so maybe there's a we're a full circle thing that could potentially happen if this thing is here. Has Let's a, be honest, though, impact. the viewing experience at a drive-in theater is terrible. It's terrible. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a fan at all. Yeah. I will say, um, I mean, listen, sometimes your country calls upon you and sometimes you just have to <laughs> stay home and not yeah. go anywhere yeah. and not do anything. And let me just say, I was built for this. This is exactly <laughs> my life has led to this moment, you know? So I'm, I'm perfectly fine. It is hard with a child. Like that's the thing. Like, but my yeah. daughter, Sophia, she wants to, she wants to go outside. She wants to run around. She's just discovered like plants and stuff in the ground. So we have a little deck and she goes out there and like digs up the dirt. And that's all she can do right now. I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, looking at all the projections and looking at a lot of what scientists are saying, we will, you know, within a year, hopefully, um, hope, you know, figure out some sort of way of managing herd immunity and squashing this. Um, I do think we're going to have like contingency plans moving forward where every company is going to set aside some money for like your pandemic response money. There will probably be insurance for this moving forward, things like that. Um, people have said on Twitter is like, oh, I finally understand my grandparents now who have done weird things like use a single tea bag for like five cups of tea or something because they grew up with scarcity and they had to live yeah. like that. So I think, yeah, moving forward, there's a lot of stuff that will shape us right now. And our kids will be com totally confused by, you know, like what dad, why do we have a month's worth of food in the basement at all times? I don't, mm. this doesn't make any sense. Uh, they had to be there. Basically they had to understand this moment to get that. Mm. I agree with you, Devendra. And I think, I think, I'm really not that worried about the virus itself. Uh, I mean, I am on a certain level, obviously, uh, worried about my parents and, and a lot of people's parents. <laughs> um, but I, you know, you talk about coming out of it a year later and I just don't know what kind of world we come out to a year later. It, I, when I, yeah, Dave I said like, we were, that's what you're more worried about than like, than the virus's impact on like the health of people around you. I mean, that's obviously a big deal too, but obviously like, big. And yeah. it's certainly, there are a lot, I have a lot of friends who are immunocompromised yeah. and I have, it is not an insignificant concern, but I find it dwarfed in my psyche yeah. by economic concerns. And I, you know, when Dave said we were going to be talking about this at the top of the show, I had all these thoughts and I find myself just like in the first 20 seconds of talking to you guys all of a sudden feeling a lot better just because <laughs> I'm talking to my friends and that mm -hmm. is powerful and 
uh, I don't want to make that, I don't want to push that aside because I really do. I was laughing and joyous inside and just like feeling good. Cause Hey, we're doing our show and it sort of feels normal-ish and I'm talking to people I really like and about things that we really enjoy talking about. But man, I, I have to say that I have been, it's, it's been really hard and I've been really scared. Yep. Yep. And I don't want to like take the show down a road because I think we're there. We're here to take people's mind off of it to a certain extent and provide entertainment. And I want to do that, but, uh, you know, I make my living as do we all, uh, because of people's disposable income. <laughs> and I don't know if the world will have any for a while. It just feels like it feels very scary to read statistics like 20% unemployment and, uh, and yeah, you know, that's just, it's just, it boggles my mind. I don't know if I will have any income. I don't know if my wife will have any income, uh, by the end of this. Um, I, I hope we do. I hope we do. Um, and I hope, you know, we get to keep making this show. I don't know. We've already had uh, one advertiser say that they can't do advertising anymore because as a company, they're worried about that budgeting mm -hmm. that. Uh, so, you know, who it's all, it's, there's a lot of question marks and I'm, I have kids like, you know, three fourths of us do on the show right now. And it, it is, it's really fucking scary, man. It's really fucking scary every day to wake up and go, we're only four or five days into this thing. Yeah. What fresh hell last, is this every yes, day? Yeah. That we know is going to last, last at least weeks, likely months, maybe more than a year. I mean, they're talking like 18 months potentially. Yeah. I, I can't even fathom just the, like the, the level of stress that that's going to entail over a long period of time. I, I don't know. I don't mean to get dark, but I just wanted, I, you're my friends and I'm just like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. fucking scared, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think I think uh, I I I definitely like I think of two avenues of like one like when we reference the quiet place I think about that too like, oh God am I that am I the I'm the dad now who's got to go out there and like do that um, and I think of in the same vein like Saving Private Ryan how you find out that Tom Hanks's character was a school teacher before this happened you know um, and like oh this is who I was before the thing happened. Um, but I also think more positively in the long term that like we all, we adapt very quickly and like new normals happen very quickly. And like, instead of it all becoming dire, it may all just be like, oh, we're just used to this now and we're all okay with this now rather than all scared of this now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that I think obviously all of us are consumed by fiction and movies and this yeah. exact thing has been explored so many times. I mean, obviously we've already mentioned several, I, I think of the road, you know, <laughs> like, oh God. that's real yeah. dark. You go straight like, to the road, Jeff, man. Geez, well, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't even pass contagion. Just go straight. How, to the how road. about like Mad, yeah. Mad Max one, right? <laughs> Society is still in place, but like, yeah. you know, around the fringes, shit's getting wild. And then, yeah, yeah, between at some point we get to uh, Road Warrior and that's when things really get crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, or like, you know, video games, the division is basically exactly the scenario. And I always yes. realize, oh man, mm -hmm. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm an NPC in this world. I'm not even, I'm not one of the heroes. <laughs> I'm yeah. not, I, I do not have the 
the, the yeah, uh, skill set to be one of the heroes. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, never, the division is about that. how the government runs a embedded group of secret police that activate whenever there's a major crisis. And I think we can actually be grateful we're not living in the division right now, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to put that maybe, out there. Maybe, maybe we do kind of need something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, we I think I, need some structure to help you, yeah, protect the country. But anyway. But I mean, I what, mean, we're, what we're staring down the barrel of, Jeff, is our judgment night. <laughs> Dan's really trying to get us on topic. Wow. Okay. So we're we're gonna well, get there. We're a bunch of. We are a bunch of. You know, we're comfortable. We're living a comfortable life, and and uh, might have to be faced with the uncomfortable life, and we'll find out what we're made of. What we're truly made of. Okay. The, the, saying that. Oh God. The reason that I I framed it that way, and and I mean I brought up the road, and I think that was more a, as an example of what new normals, how extreme new normals can be, because it's like you know yeah, yeah. it's just like the life they live. But yeah. I I bring it up just, and I think we talked about this a little bit last time, is framing these things through the the filter of fiction and feeling like all of this stuff is so familiar, yeah, and surreal at the same time. It's I feel like I know the playbook because I've seen it in so many movies and I keep saying to my wife, this is the part of the movie where this happens. You know, this yeah. is where it, this is the part of the movie where that happens. And I, and I, I'm throwing it out there to you guys to ask what you make of that. Do you think that's an, it makes it worse somehow or better somehow? Or what do you think? Well, I, I think that's 50% to blame for, the paranoia and the hoarding and all, I think because this all sounds like the beginning of arrival or Cloverfield or, you know, or <laughs> what, you know, like it, you hear that, like, way to, way to tie things into your movie. You, Dan. <laughs> I, wow. I wasn't even thinking my, I was streaming you know, now available. Yeah. right now. <laughs> Let's just say the viral marketing campaign for a 10 Cloverfield lane has gotten a little out of control, Dan. <laughs> Just a right. bit. viral marketing, Dave. Come on. Yep. Oh, yep. Dave. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> but uh, it just it 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 all feels that way, and everyone's now seen all that. We've seen The Walking Dead. Like we've seen all those things, and so we're we're reacting to something. I, you know, I hope I pray. I, I hope it's we are overreacting to something. Hopefully, 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 because um, we feel that we've sort of witnessed and participated in something like that and want to be not and don't want to be the people that are making the mistake in the beginning of the movie um don't be piven yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love it yeah uh well before we move on speaking of uh <laughs> I, I don't know how i'm gonna make this transition speaking of fecal matter anyway uh <laughs> we gotta we we gotta thank uh our first sponsor pretty litter davindra can you tell people about pretty litter Yes. Well, listen, right now it is kind of tough for me to leave my house, which is great for a lot of, you know, I can get a lot right to my house. Uh, typically, I would run outside to go grab a box of kitty litter or something. I can't do that very easily. But thankfully, I found Pretty Litter, which is an online store for you to get uh, d litter delivered right to your doorstep. And Honestly, I find it to be a lot better from the days when I was running out and getting boxes. Uh, it weighs a lot less than a box of clay litter. Um, it uses super absorbent crystals that trap odor and moisture. So you don't have to clean it that often. You just have to pick up the poop, which is really nice when you're trapped with a cat, two cats actually, uh, while staying at home. 
And it does a lot of cool things too. Like it changes color to detect underlying illnesses in your cat. Uh, so, you know, can let you know if they're having kidney issues or anything like that. And unlike other conventional litters, uh, it doesn't have ingredients that could damage your cat's health. Uh, people don't like clay litter for a lot of those reasons. It uses naturally occurring minerals and it's safe for your cat and virtually dust free. Dust is another problem. You don't want dust when you're all stuck in a room with your cats. So do what I did and make the switch to Pretty Litter today by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code FILMCAST for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code FILMCAST. prettylitter.com, promo code FILMCAST. Thanks to Pretty Litter for sponsoring this episode of the show. Uh, now, before we get to our main review today, I also want to mention the fact that Devendra, Jeff, and I got together uh, earlier this week to try to figure out how we were going to do the podcast in light of the fact mm -hmm. that all the movie theaters have shut down and the entire summer movie season has basically been canceled or postponed. And we actually had arrived on like what I thought was a pretty good plan of we would each pick like five movies that we loved and that we wanted other people to see, like the other two people on the on the show to see that they hadn't seen yet. And then we would review those movies, you know, and we would keep our current format and we'd have like a review week and then we'd do like what we've been watching week and so on all the way, you know, as far as we could go. And if we each chose five movies... That'd be 15 weeks of movies plus like the, what we've been watching. That's like 30 weeks worth of episodes. So that's like six months. That would get us get us through like six months of episodes um, until hopefully maybe movie theaters reopen again if they do. Uh, and oh, that oh, was uh, th that was what the plan was going to be. But we said, hey, let's check in again later this week because who knows what will be different by then. And we today later this week is today actually, and we're now checking in live on the show. And basically, um, in the last week, we've seen multiple studios uh, put things that were gonna be or that were out in theaters right now on video on demand. So, for instance, as of right now, you can rent for twenty dollars The Hunt, The Invisible Man, Emma. Uh, next week, I think it'll be onward. The the way, yeah, onward, uh, onward. You can rent right right now as well. It'll be on Disney Plus in a couple weeks. Next week, it's going to be the way back, um, and also the movie that we're going to be reviewing next week, Bloodshot, the Vin Diesel movie that Jeff and Devendra want to watch, and I am willing to watch. <laughs> Listen, we've all been uh, long awaiting Vin Diesel's Bloodshot because uh, who doesn't love Bloodshot? You all know him yeah. from comics. Yeah. So anyway, point being, <laughs> like things are changing so much that like I don't even, I don't I think it's best to not have a, a definite plan for the next few weeks while we figure things out. Um and so Bloodshot is going to be the next review episode of the podcast and like we'll see we'll see how things happen. like who knows what else is going to happen in terms of movies getting put on video on demand. Are there going to be movies that were going to come out this summer that get put on video on demand? Like we don't know yet. I mean, we I read on SlashFilm.com today that Warner Brothers is considering Wonder Woman coming out on demand. Although, that just seems like a bonkers plan for a movie that would have made a billion dollars yeah. at the box office. Well, yeah. the, the it, big one is uh, Trolls World Tour is coming yeah. out. Um, that is going day and date. Uh, and yeah, that movie made $346 million. The, the first one, I should say. Uh, so yeah. that's also a fairly successful movie that's going to go day and date. And so we just don't know what the summer movie season is going to look like, but it's not probably not going to involve going out to movie theaters. Um, 
However, uh, I'll just say we're just going to have to take this week by week in terms of what is going to happen on the Slash Homecast. But for now, we can tell you that for the next episode of the Slash Homecast, it's going to be Bloodshot. And I don't know that the movie's going to be good, but I think it's probably going to be a fun review. So, Also, um, I would encourage listeners to give us feedback and let us know. We're, we're sort of, like Dave is indicating, making it up as we go. We yeah. have to roll with the punches here and figure out what's going to happen week to week. And your input is considered and appreciated. It, it, we have the Slack Filmcast. You can email us. Uh, on Twitter, we're, yeah, slash filmcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at slash filmcast. Um, yeah. yeah, you can let so us know let us know what you would like during this time. Probably less discussion about the actual virus itself. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll, by the way, we'll see, as a, yeah, sorry, I'll just say that also in my own life, uh, it, it has actually been really hard to focus on movies this week. Um, yeah, just yeah. there's been a lot just of anxiety and stress. And like, there's a lot of movies. That's what I, I wanna... said to you. I was like, "Are we doing what you've been what we've been watching in this episode?" Because I, it, it's it's been the news. That's what I've been watching. Yeah, I mean, like, there's been a bunch of movies. So my uh, I, I've been on sabbatical from my full time job for the last few months, and it's ending this week. So I'm going back to work next week, and there's a lot of uh, things I wanted to like watch before I went back, like a whole stack of things I wanted to watch, and I just like have not been able to focus long enough to finish a movie really um like i wanted to watch like one cut of the dead that that horror the zombie horror movie i'm like can't get through it i just like i'm just too distracted and too anxious um so hopefully that'll calm down the weeks ahead and we can try to have some normalcy on the podcast at least but yeah um we're gonna take it week by week and we're just gonna have to announce from week to week what we're gonna be doing on the podcast so uh yeah we'll We'll see how that goes. Before we get to our review, uh, I do also want to thank people who have been donating to the show. Uh, your donations are really helpful and appreciated during this uncertain time. I uh, want to thank new subscribers at the rate of $2 per month, Chris Santongo and Barbara Murphy, as well as donors Jennifer Plagg and Bydeck, who writes... Uh, quote, I wish I had an amusing anecdote to share like so many of your other donators, but I didn't want that to be the reason I didn't show my appreciation for what you guys do. I will say that as a father of two young children, I love hearing your guys' perspective on fatherhood and also the entertainment options because as Devendra and Jeff are fully aware, it is a sea of garbage out there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Bluey has been a huge hit in our household, so I have Jeff to thank Woo! for that. Might need another recommendation, so keep those coming. Keep up the amazing work, and no matter what you guys have to do with the format, please continue the show as long as you can. Appreciate everything you do. Dan Trachtenberg, uh, I, my understanding is you are a man of refined tastes. Uh, what do you show your uh, kid You know these days? Like, mm. do, you, do you have any requirements on, like, uh, on the, the media that is displayed in your house? I am not getting neurotic about that yet. I'm not allowing <laughs> that, that. That's going to happen when it's like she can really watch real, like, like you know, thinking about how Star Wars is introduced and um, and things like that. And, you know, an older movie that, you know, I, my, my, I think my dad sometimes did harm in the way he introduced things to me that or could I I wish I had appreciated at the time and sometimes did it right and I was like like I remember him it's like hey Dan let me tell you this guy with the black helmet don't worry (laughs) about him he's the (laughs) other one's father he's gonna be okay no there was some movies that I was just so reluctant to see and then there's some that somehow he pitched it in a way that I embraced. Like the, I remember seeing the original fly. I wanted to see the Cronenberg fly. Obviously, was not allowed to. 
And then, and he said, Oh, watch this one. And I was like, I don't want to watch the black and white, whatever. Um, and it, that movie was amazing and like, and still haunts me and, and had such a scare, was still scary and all those things when I was younger, you know? So, um, I'm not, I'm not there yet with her. Um, but she, but other than, uh, uh, Daniel Tiger is, um, which is like the animated, um, successor to Mr. Rogers, um, and is truly great teaching and, and, uh, and entertainment for her. So that feels like the most wholesome thing. Other than that, she watches a lot of, you know, Sophia, the first princess, like things that, that I'm not loving, but like, yeah. So I remember still good. It's still out there kicking and doing good shit. Dan, have you watched Bluey yet? Have you seen? No, I, I, I've seen the tweets and all that. I don't, what is it? What, um, it's on Disney plus. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you just search for it. It's kind of hard to find on all the, all the stuff that's on there, but, um, I know in my heart you will love it. And wow, okay. I just heard it, the season two just dropped in Australia. It's an Australian show just dropped in Australia. So hopefully it'll be on Disney plus soon. It's 56 new episodes. So. All right. Oh boy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and also we got this message a few weeks ago. So many weeks ago, <laughs> uh, a woman named Alyssa donated a, a huge donation to the podcast, uh, in honor of her friend. And her friend actually sent this email in a few weeks ago and didn't get to it because, you know, uh, my mistake, a lot of things have been going on the last few weeks, uh, but I wanted to make sure we had a chance to read it. This email comes from Arn and the Overwatch team, who writes, uh, quote, I was listening to the Sonic the Hedgehog episode the other day and was totally taken off guard by Alyssa's shout out. What a pleasant surprise. It really made my day. The Overwatch team misses her dearly and I miss discussing movies, TV shows and Dave Chen related content with her. Devendra and Jeff, I love you guys too. In fact, I guess you could say my thoughts on Alyssa could best be summed up in the form of a lyric. Now, Jeff Kanata, do you Whoa. mind checking out the, uh, the show notes here and uh, reading that limerick for us? Certainly, I'd be happy to. We've missed you dearly since you've part. You breathe so much life into our art. Though your story evolves and escape rooms you'll solve, you'll never escape from our hearts. That is both heartwarming and a threat, it sounds like. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yes, wanted to make sure we, we read that message from uh, from Arn. And of course, if you want to support the Slash Filmcast during this time, uh, go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the words filmcast. And also, um, you can also go to slashfilm.com, click on the Slash Filmcast tab, use the PayPal links on the side of the page if you want to make a regular subscription at the rate of a couple dollars per month. We know times are really tough, so uh, do not ever feel uh, like you should make a donation if you if it puts you into any hardship whatsoever. If you want to support us for zero dollars, just go to the uh, Apple Podcast link. Take five seconds to leave a star rating for the podcast. We would be ever so grateful. All right, let's move on into our review of the 1993 Stephen Hopkins thriller Judgment Night. Nobody is taking dates. It's a bunch of guys going to a boxing match. That's it. Why are you looking at me like that? Because I know your friends. <laughs> they have the hormones of high school kids. I'll be home early, okay? Promise. What <laughs> do you say, fight fans? A night out on the town. Yeah. A heavy traffic jam. I'll tell you something, I'm not going to miss this fight. And one wrong turn. We've circled this block about 300 times. Yeah, enough of this scenic round. What the hell was that? He's been shot. They're coming after me. You gotta get me out of here. 
That was from the trailer for Judgment Night. Uh, I'm going to read the plot summary of this film from IMDb. Four friends on their way to a boxing match get caught in heavy traffic, so they take a shortcut in order to get there faster. (laughs) Unfortunately, it leads to them witnessing a murder, which leaves them running for their lives. Uh, that's a pretty rough, rough plot. It's a pretty good summary. It is actually a pretty good summary because that is the movie. That's it. (laughs) So, a couple things. First of all, this movie is 1993. I I believe it is streaming on Stars for those who who are trying to watch. Yes. Yeah. That would have been good to know. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) 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 Sorry about that. I didn't know you had Stars, Dan. Do you have you have Stars? Uh, good question, but um, <laughs> yeah, still. No, Dan. If we paid for this movie, you had to pay for this movie. Okay, Dan. Dan <laughs> message. I, I'm I'm inviting Dan to be on the podcast. He's like, so is it streaming on Netflix or something? I'm like, it's three dollars to rent on iTunes. I will cover it for you, man. Hmm. <laughs> Sounds like a link that could have been sent to me was about the stars uh streaming capabilities of it. But <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. that's that's cool. That's I only that's learned okay. that from my Apple TV. Yeah, yeah, that's my bad. That's my bad. Um, now, why Dave, can you can you can you explain why we're even talking about this movie first? Uh, that's uh, literally what I was about to say. Um, cool, why, cool, cool. Why are we talking about Judgment Day? I think this really started with a tweet. As with many things that I do with my life, this started with a tweet that Dan Trachtenberg made a few nights ago uh, on March sixteenth, twenty twenty. Dan Trachtenberg <laughs> tweeted at, from at his at Danny TRS account. Quote, I feel like Judgment Night has been erased from existence, end quote. And I wonder why. And a few things Man. a few things have been happening, right? Like number one, at that point, like we were still kind of struggling to figure out what we were gonna do on the podcast from a programming perspective. Number two, Judgment Night is a movie that has been copiously mentioned by Jeff Kanata uh several times on this podcast, the slash from cast. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, Bring it up all the time. As yeah, something that, that he really enjoyed. Number three, it's a movie that I, I David Chen, always wanted to watch because I remember seeing the trailer for it a long time ago, and I was like, oh, that looks kind of like a cool idea. Never had the chance to see it. And number four, Devendra was also willing to watch it. Um, so, <laughs> listen, willing, willing is a strong word. Uh, yeah. I would have been perfectly happy doing the culturally relevant option this week, which would have been Contagion. Which is a great movie. Indeed. Um, but, but we we saw this instead. So Dan Trachtenberg, why don't you tell us why why you're motivated to make that fateful tweet on March sixteenth? Well, I feel like we summed it up pretty good with the whole blockbuster analogy, but th- <laughs> you know, this I, I feel like my adoration for the movie, even me bringing up the movie, has to be caveated <laughs> by placing it in its time in world history, but also Dan Trachtenberg history. And, yes. you know, I was 12. I was like studying for my bar mitzvah classes. Um, and, uh, and I remember seeing the trailer for this and the trailer at the time played to me a lot, like the way that the taken trailer plays, like if, if memory serves, the trailer is his like rule number one you know, no stealing from Fallon or whatever. And then rule number two, no witness. Like him saying no witnesses and cutting to all of those guys 
witnessing and having to go was like Liam Neeson saying, they're going to take you. Like it, my heart sunk when I saw that trail and there was that, and his whole speech of like, don't talk, don't move, don't even breathe. That was like, I couldn't, you know, and, and, and worth underlining, like I had not seen a lot of heart R rated movies. Like that cork had just been popped right before this came out for me. And I think I hadn't seen a lot of like on-screen murders, especially that were not in genres in science fiction uh, or fantasy settings. So the idea of this was really terrifying to me. By the way, it is deliver. It's urban deliverance is the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, totally without any, you know, without any wiggle room there, but, um, <laughs> the, you know, so like just, just, and growing up in the suburbs and always, be, I, I, it is the, the fear of like, what is in those bad parts of town we're not supposed to go to, you know, the fear of that, going to cities. Yeah. <laughs> that, I don't want to go there. And also was, but there's that thing, great line where he's like, we're not 10 miles away from where you live every day. It, yes, it's so good. Yes. There's yeah. a lot of, there's actually, there's another good line where he's like, where he says like, there's blood on that money. And he's oh, like, the best. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen any without, you know, or what, something like that? Dude, um, that entire sequence, I was going to bring this up. I'm just going to say it now though. Cause you yeah, brought yeah. it up. Uh, that entire sequence is masterful when he goes, he goes, um, no, you can't take my money, but you can take my money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah. he's like, but your money has blood on it. You ever seen any that doesn't? Yeah, like exactly. that yeah. is, yeah, incredible. That yeah. is an incredible exchange. That one, that exchange is good for sure. And um, I, you know, I, it, it's come up in my, in my, in mind over the years, and always thinking like, is that a like, is there a remake in that? Like, is there something about that that because I was always so captivated by it. Um, and I, every time I think about it, I go, oh, it's probably really culturally insensitive and it's probably so. And I actually was sort of shocked that it wasn't worse, um, <laughs> that it wasn't just from a cultural insensitivity standpoint. It's still pretty that, bad. Yeah, yeah, it could be worse. It's pretty rough. But yeah, way, it could have been way worse. You know, there could have and, and it, it did have some good things to say. It's not is not a home and revisiting it is by no means a home run. Um, and you know, I think the opening scene is awesome. The way everything is set up and it's this slow motion one or basically across the suburbs and the way you're subtly introduced to every character archetype is well done, but not really the right. It's such an almost thing. Like no character really arcs. They're almost going to, <laughs> they're almost the right, like having the brothers be what they are. And one guy is a screw up yep. and one guy's together. Like it's almost going to say something, but then doesn't really by the end. And even, and I don't know if they had the proper setups, but I liked that it was handling it in that way. The thing that, that really captivated me as a kid and I can now recognize as an adult is that it is, Meant to be a what would what would have been like uncut gems or or good time you know um, the two Safi brothers movies of of just a really intense gritty uh, city of God thing is actually treated like um like a like a seventy part seventies disaster movie part um part uh, uh Vietnam War movie and part uh like aliens you know like yeah, it's part it's 
Yeah, yeah it, 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 it feels as if it's treating the city like these, these is a group of astronauts or what, who have landed on a new planet. People from F- the suburbs. <laughs> right, 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 Man. Right. But I think the movie is trying to actually say the things that you guys are mad at it for being clumsy. No, I agree. No, like it's trying to say that we're not so different from like this. It's doing it in a very clumsy 1993 way, but it's, it's trying to say something like, Mm -hmm. Hey, there are people here and these people are people and they're not very far away from you. And their life is, hard and you should be aware of that for you know sure. it's kind of yeah I, points I, for trying. i think <laughs> it's the um the filmmaking once what what i found so captivating as a kid i now see as an adult as sort of like i kept thinking when i was remembering <laughs> the movie like how do they like why a like why why does the guy feel like he needs to kill these yeah. People. Um, and I was like, hey, I want to see. Oh, I got to revisit it. Just keeps I gotta, going. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it doesn't really, it just, like, every time I think about, thought about the movie, like, oh, how's it going to handle that? And then now in revisiting it, I go, oh, it just doesn't. It just keeps moving mm. and not addressing the weird, like, they're in these wide open spaces. Like, it's, it's very, it, it doesn't feel like it would happen that way. And, uh, and it would matter in the way that it matters. And why are they in a train yard? Of the, like, and why do they even know the bad guys even know to go to a train yard? You know, like it's ignoring all of those things that are what make thrillers good. When you can feel the connective dots and go, oh my god, yeah, you would go, you would do that. It would happen that way. And ignoring all that just to make it feel like, I mean, it's got the Predator score. Hawkins did Predator two right before doing this movie. And he was like my this movie. I love this movie, and I love Blown Away. He did after and Ghost in the Dark. Like I, I like he was my favorite director for this time period. I think because he sort of made an made a genre, made an action movie out of a setting that I thought was unexpected, and he did that continually. Um, and I sort of I think I learned a good lesson from that isolated idea. But um, the the one sequence that I do think is is still. I mean, it's just weird. It's so their traversal over the. That's the one that always stuck with me, and that's certainly a big deal in the trailer. The the. Well, we we should say by the way that it. we're probably going to spoil this movie. So like, if you haven't seen <laughs> oh, yeah. it yet, check it out. But yeah, watch out, people. Watch out. traversal over what, Dan? Yeah, traversal so, over what, Dan? So they're traversing to the projects, the two building projects, and there's oh, like yeah. a ladder, oh, homemade yeah, yeah. ladder between the things. It's weird. It's weird that it's even happening. But I will once again. It's like something from Poseidon Adventure, you know? Yeah. But. But it does the way it's shot is remarkable, um, and uh, and it's a it isolated. It's a very cool sequence, and and the the stuff that happens with Piven really made an impact on me as a kid, and and I can recognize why today still. Um, that scene is back. riveting. That scene with Piven is w- riveting, and it's you know say what you will about that dude. That's he is the reason that scene is amazing. Like, For sure, he well, he turns into the dude from Die Hard. The cocaine yeah. dude from Die Hard <laughs> in that moment, yeah. and it's perfect. It's like Harry Ellis, like the guy from Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Hans Bubby. Yeah, Hans Bubby. Right. If yeah. you're looking at your phone, that's the scene where you look up and you can't look away for a second. You know, it's it, it's. <laughs> Are you describing effective. your own experience watching this movie again, Jeff? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, Dan. Before before we move on from that, what is you said like you 
there's a reason that scene made such an impression on you. What what was that reason, or why does it resonate with you so much? Well, one, I think the photography. I th- I I I loved that it, and and I also, I you know, I, I got into commercials before doing movies, and the the thing that I had always recognized in commercials was like put a magnifying glass over the ordinary to make it feel special. Whereas sometimes in movies, it's the opposite. It's like, take the extraordinary and ground it and make it feel real. And that scene was like, I always, and I've referenced it without having revisited the movie because it was stuck in my craw. I've referenced it so many times of like, you're making a real mountain out of something. Like, it's such an ordeal. It's such a trial. Um, it's weird. It's a little bit weirder in the context of the movie because like the, the reason why that's there is because the kids in the neighborhood use that seemingly every day and it's no big deal. And suddenly these guys are like crawling on their hands and knees. I don't know. It's just strange. But, um, <laughs> and also, yeah, it's like, a, I, I will say it was pretty hilarious. The women in the, uh, in the apartment were like, yeah, go upstairs. The, the kids have a way of getting across. And it's like, Oh, that sounds like, it, that sounds like it might be really helpful. Then they get up there and it's like literally two ladders, like, precariously balanced on top of each other and you, <laughs> it's, it's, it felt very like video gamey it felt very like but you yeah. <laughs> yeah you you can't not envision those kids scampering across it effortlessly though right, right? Uh, you just uh, you know maybe maybe uh <laughs> the hey way it was set up but also uh, the pivot i just want to oh sorry go yeah, ahead. yeah no no go ahead go ahead yeah well the pivot moment so so you know it's Piven plays plays the craven one, the you know the, the guy with less morals and and feeling seemingly less physically capable and wants to give up the whole journey and and it's that archetype that we've seen in war movies and I think speaks to a dark part of all of us um, and that moment in particular when he really like I I I've visualized having that experience um, of like I can't do it I got to find another way to do it. Um, and then the way that he handles those guys, I, I, I remember, um, this is a weird tangent, but it'll become meaningful. I promise. But in, in summer camp, there was like a, uh, let me, oh, sorry, let me just describe the scene in the movie. So they're going to kill everyone. And Pumas says, you know what? I'm not gonna be able to like survive out running gunfire. I'm going to just stay and negotiate. And we see this like negotiation between Piven and Dennis Leary and yeah. his cohorts and House of Pain. Um, the, the, hash, and, you know, a quote unquote negotiation, which is essentially him offering them increasingly large amounts of money. <laughs> right. And his <laughs> ring. And, you know, ideally we're, we're on the ride of like, are they going to buy it or not? Buy it? Are they buy? Oh, they're buying it. They're not buying it. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he meets his doom. And by the way, his scream haunt the way he screams when he's off is and the way he falls <laughs> yeah it's, it's such really, a weird way to it's a yeah. flip he does a flip yeah yeah and like that really, to me as yeah. a kid was so so was messed so up i agree i totally agree but the thing i was going to say is i remember being in in summer camp overnight camp in my bunk i don't um, i might be misconstruing i may have been having a weird memory of this but there were kids that were more popular we would get like candy and like sticks of gum and whatever and there were kids that were more popular that would take or like somehow they were like getting our candy like they were taking they were muscling some of the other kids at the bunk and it hadn't happened to me yet and i was really scared of, of it happening to me because i felt like there's no way i'm gonna be able to like fight back or whatever it was and i remember coming to them in the middle of the night and saying guys i got an idea why don't we tomorrow let's put on like a, like do games um where people can wager their can't we can charge them and they can pay us can pay you. I was like, pay, they'll pay you candy, um, 
and then we make it with the with maybe they'll win some, but they probably won't win some. And then we can you can make all this candy this way, or whatever. And they were like, oh wow, they were like so impressed, and they like let me in in the in inside the ring, and I was like then defended by it, and it was a little sh- sh- shady, but I, like I like found a way to to survive in that circumstance, and it was thanks to judgment. I got back pivoted my way out of it, but I will. But but the thing that I I sometimes speak to. Um, filmmaking uh, students uh, through my alma mater. And the thing I always say is like, don't, when you hear someone's story of how they made it as a director or screenwriter or whatever it is, like, don't just try and emulate that story. Like the way that they did the, they became successful because they leaned into their voice, their specific talent, their way of doing it. Uh, You have to find your own path. Like I, some people can be a PA and be really impressive and become someone's assistant and be impressive and then become the thing. Like I, I was a PA for a period and could struggled and was super inept and was like, oh my God, like I'm never going to make it if I think this is going to have to be my path. And I had a friend who came out here and would call people pretending to be his own agent um, and like actually made some headway doing that. And if I were to do that, I would crumble under the lie. Cause I just can't, you know, so like you have to find if you're extroverted or you introverted, whatever it is, you've got to find your own way of, um, of success. Uh, and anyway, th- th- but this, 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 this part of this movie and then that real life experience that I had was how I forged that concept. Anyway. A few thoughts, Dan Krakenberg. First of all, thanks for sharing that. That was very lovely. Secondly, I guess I need to stop working on my Portal short film. Um, <laughs> so really crushing uh, to learn uh-huh. that. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> speaking of things you can watch on video on demand and at home, we got to thank our next sponsor. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to say, Dave, did you say, did you think step one, do a highly regarded internet podcast with Jeff Kanata? Step two, make a portal short. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was the plan until just now. With I'm Dan merely your step one. That's all I am. Yep. Yep. No, that's true. That's true. I didn't want it to come out this way, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> Jeff, you want to tell us about our second sponsor for today? Yes, very much so. Hey, this is a perfect sponsor for the times we're living in because we're all stuck inside. And there is is lots of time to watch things. And so I'm pleased to tell you about Sundance Now because Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. You have to check out the catalog on Sundance Now. It's pretty amazing. I mean, we have talked about a lot of the great movies. These are curated movies, documentaries. If you're into documentaries like we are here at the Slash Filmcast, just peruse the selection of documentaries at SundanceNow.com. It is really amazing. One of my favorites, one of my favorite documentaries of all time uh, is on there. Exit Through the Gift Shop is great. Uh, They actually also have tons of original series. There are great shows that SundanceNow.com is creating. Uh, There are, like I said, true crime series, dramas. There are original series, Mick Mafia, State of the Union, and The Cry. Cry. 
have all received uh, international praise and awards. Check out, if you're looking for more stuff to watch, this is uh, an amazing resource. Also, a movie that, I don't know what, two, three years ago now, we all went gaga for. It was near the top of my best of list uh, that year, I think. Uh, is a movie called Victoria, which is a single shot movie that will knock you on your butt if you've never seen it yeah, before. And unlike 1917, they actually did do it in one shot. Yeah. So it's literally, it's no, yeah, it's no visual effects employed. It is just, hey, we start the camera and then two hours later, we have a movie. <laughs> and that's, that's what the, and it is extraordinary. It's, a, it's an achievement. Uh, so, you know, th- this is the place to go. Uh, Sundance now is available for as low as $4.99 a month. That's an unbeatable price for award-winning content. Uh, and you can stream Sundance Now on all your favorite devices. Just download the app or watch online and discover exclusive shows from around the world instantly. Start streaming your next obsession. Try Sundance Now free for 30 days by going to SundanceNow.com and use promo code FILMCAST. That's SundanceNow.com, code FILMCAST for 30 days of free streaming. Hey, if we're all lucky... That'll be just enough time to get through this uh, 30 days. SundanceNow.com and then the code FILMCAST, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T at Sundance, S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E dot, excuse me, now.com, S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W dot com. Uh, all righty. Well, uh, Devinder Hardwar, <laughs> kind of want to hear what you have to say about Judgment Night, your thoughts on the film. Yeah, yeah. Um... Not as positive as Dan. Let me let me put it that way. Let me put it Did that you, way. Had you seen this before? I had not seen this. I do remember uh, I was watching on YouTube for some trailers, and there was like this VHS trailer compilation. I remember seeing those from some like rentals back in the day. So that was a nice throwback, and that honestly got me prepped for what this movie was actually going to be. Was a throwback '90s action movie. And uh, Dan, like I respect your love for it and kind of how formative it was for you. I, you know, if we went back and reviewed Hook or something, I would I would gush over that movie and like how certain elements of that movie shaped me. Even though it's probably not a great Spielberg movie, um, at least that one has like a bit of cultural cachet though. Like this is this is a unique choice because it's a movie I literally have not heard of since I saw that trailer. You know, back in 1994 or 95 or something on a VHS tape. It, it's a fine thriller. I think it's competently made. Uh, dig the cast. It just feels like a complete nothing burger of an action movie for me. Like it's, um, there's some nice sequences. I do like the, uh, the, uh, what was it like the bus explosion, the explosion of their weird high tech thing that has the, the Nintendo gun, uh, the bridge <laughs> sequence and a couple shootouts are good, but this movie, yeah, has barely characters. Like it has character archetypes, but not people who grow or are super interesting. And by the end of the movie, it seems like the lesson is: I guess you should have stayed home with the baby, dude. <laughs> that's your uh, that's your moral argument. You should have stayed movie. home Perfect. with your shrew wife, who doesn't want you to do anything fun. <laughs> Which is she's fine. She seems fine. It's, it's great. the perfect lesson for our times, you guys. It's <laughs> for our times. Stay for, home. I could relate. I could relate to this also right now because every time I go outside to do anything, um, yeah, I feel guilty too. So it's uh, I, I get the message. I feel like this movie could have leaned on certain things to just be more interesting. Um, it's certainly, it is certainly like, oh man, we just thought the '90s in the '90s, like anything it urban, anything in the ghetto was dangerous and alien. <laughs> and oh man, these people are so different from us. Except in the text, we will say we're not so different, you and I. But you'll continue <laughs> to act like it. Like that's what you'll do as a movie because 
yeah this uh this whole thing is like them going through hell even though it's just it's just them like trying to get help through apartment buildings um if we were going to talk about like a memorable 90s movies like this i would i would go to like sam raimi's a simple plan you know yeah, which is so a perfect movie so good 90s so though yes yeah, 90s it's like 96 um okay. or even later um but it's very 90s and you know when i think of movies that are memorable i just i go to things like that i am not surprised that stephen hopkins ended up leading heavily on tv like later in his career this guy was involved in 24 season one he's uh apparently he's in charge of a, a fugitive tv series coming which this movie feels like a very lesser fugitive type movie so yeah, that's all. It all kind of makes sense to me. He was like handling the Dark Tower TV series, which yeah, we we still don't know what's going on with all that. Um, I remember Stephen Hopkins, by the way, as the guy who did uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Five, The Dream Child, uh, and also Predator Two, and also Lost Lost World, right? Or uh, Lost, in, Lost in Space. Lost in Space. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And it's like it's those things which are just like I remember seeing these things, and even as a kid, thinking these these are not good movies. <laughs> like the critic in me at ten or twelve years old was like, "Yeah, this is a uh, this is not good." But well, yeah, let me just he, say, Stephen around. Hopkins' work in Twenty Four kicks ass, in my opinion. Yes, he I has done he was really really stuff. good. Like he directed yeah. some very memorable episodes. But yes, Devendra, yes. I'm sorry you didn't enjoy it as much as the rest of us. Let's go to Jeff Lanata. I got well, nothing. Wait, 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 can I just... Yeah, uh, yeah. Because I don't... I think I would... I hope that it was clear is is very much um, caveating my feelings. And I understand now as an adult why I loved it as a kid. And I, <laughs> I also yes. fully understand now why it's been erased. I understand my tweet. Like, I, I think... I, what I mean is, I don't think this was a... You answered your own question. Yeah. I don't think this... I don't... Like, even compared to Simple... Like, I don't think this was a huge movie that the time forgot. I realized that probably it was not well regarded at the time, even. It was just... Yeah, it has, it has a 35% Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So... Forgettable yeah, I, movie is forgettable. Yes. Exactly. Um, but there are some things that are... Um, yep. The things that make it interesting are also why it's not good, but mm-hmm. um, it's still interesting. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> All right, Jeff Kanata, let's hear what you have to say about this movie. Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say my thoughts about Judgment Night are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Excellent. A great movie, it's certainly not. <laughs> but it's always stayed in my thoughts. Rewatchings revealing how a powerful feeling can endure from one single shot. Mm. And what is that single shot, Jeff Kanata? We have talked about a lot of things about this movie, but we have not talked about the thing that, A, is the reason this movie is unforgettable to me, and B, is the reason I always bring it up ad nauseum in conversations. The soundtrack? The soundtrack, soundtrack? we will get to the soundtrack, because the soundtrack also is one of the reasons why it has a cultural footprint at all because the soundtrack was, is a remarkable, yeah. it's like a symphony yeah. basically. What it's incredible. Yeah. The whole, the concept of like mashing up <laughs> hardcore rap with <laughs> grunge. It, yeah. it was like what gobsmacking at the time. Yeah. Um, and we will get to that in a second. But for me, when I say one single shot that is indelibly marked on my psyche and I constantly think of when I'm trying to like grasp for describing a moment, it comes to my head and I go, Oh, this is like d- judgment light. This is like judgment night. And that <laughs> shot is 
a huge line of cars on the freeway and a bus full of dudes taking an off-ramp that no other car is taking that has hazard tape all along the side of it, thinking they're doing the smartest thing they could possibly do. Mm. That The way the camera sits there and we see all those brake lights and we see them go down and there's laughing and we see that, that bus just like disappear into the back of the frame and out of sight down the off-ramp. That, that feeling, I mean, I have... FOMO it just in general, like I have a very acute sense of FOMO. I, I, I don't, I have a hard time saying no to things. I don't like missing out on stuff. And my recollection of this movie didn't bear out in, in the rewatching of it. But my recollection of this movie was that there's this constant feeling of, Oh my God, we're missing the fight. We're missing the, this awesome event we had tickets to. We're missing mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. my feeling <laughs> my rem- my memory of this movie was just this constant feeling of like, oh, it's so horrible that they had this great night planned and they, if they had just stayed on the freeway, they would have gotten there. And that to me, <laughs> there's a lot of movies. Uh, there's a lot of movies. One of the genres, sort of subgenres that I really enjoy. One of them is average person in above average situation and them trying to feel like, what would I do if I, makes me think what would i do if i was in that situation you know john mcclain in die hard is the is the prime example of that but like uh attack the block is another one where it's just like if i was a kid and aliens showed up what would i do you know i love movies like that where it's it 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 asks the question hey there's nothing special about this person they're not a superhero they're not uh, a genius they're just a person and they're put in a extraordinary situation and they have to figure out what to do. And I love, I love that about it. So there's that, but also there's this very specific kind of movie that judgment night to me is the, is the paramount example of that is. Emilio I, I, I want to call movies. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Emilio no man, you know, men at work is the premium example of that. Mm. Um, no, the, the idea of like um, a plan that goes awry mm. or a, uh, you know, best laid plans movie where, you know, we, we had we had this going on and then one simple little thing happens and now every decision we make seems to make it worse. Like and we the keep... other Piven classic, very bad things. Yes. <laughs> and there's a there's a bunch of great examples of, of these kinds of yeah. movies. Yeah. And I love them. I mean. The the few times that I've actually tried to tried to write movies myself, I often come to this notion of something that just this tiny little thing that could have gone the other way so simply, and but for that that decision, things would have been not only normal but awesome. Like you, they would have gotten to this night, they would have had a great time on this cool bus with bros. It would have been fun. They would have had a great time. But for one moment where they go, I'm smarter than traffic, I can do it. And then everything goes crazy. And I love that. I love the, you know, this um, game night is another example of that, where it's like a series of of t- t- terrible decisions, but decisions that you can un- kind of understand in the moment and go, oh, yeah, I guess I could kind of see myself. I could kind of see myself taking that off ramp. And I've been in that situation where, 
we're going somewhere and somebody's like, uh, let's, let's outsmart this thing. And I always go judgment night. It's judgment night. We're going to judgment night ourselves, you know? <laughs> and, and I will say, you know, I totally agree with Dan a hundred percent that so much of my affection for this movie and this premise is because it hit me at a time in my life uh, as a, as a developing psyche where it made a big impression, right? If I saw this movie today, I wouldn't, I'd probably feel like Davindra, but because I was at an age where I was sort of getting my autonomy and going out in the world and making decisions where am I going to stay on the freeway or get off the off ramp were decisions that I was actually making as a, as a real self-sustaining adult, as a, as a person, uh, all of a sudden it felt like, Oh yeah, you know, you can make a bad decision and get yourself in real trouble real quick. And so I think that that always resonated with me and I've always constantly thought about that. And I've brought up judgment night just in life so many times of, are we, you know, are we making the judgment night decision right now? That's going to lead to lead to that. That's why you say <laughs> that at every one of our slash filmcast meetings, Jeff. I do. Yeah. Every <laughs> single now time. Now I get it. Now I get it. Dave is always like, let's just do something a little different. Um, <laughs> but I also want to say, you know, in rewatching it, I didn't remember that amazing exchange between Dennis Leary and the kid. Like that is really, that is better writing than this movie deserves. Like that is an iconic exchange. It's so good. And there are a few moments like that. I mean, it's, it's hard for us to look back now and remember what Dennis Leary was in the early nineties. He, he has become this sort of charming character actor. That's been on a bunch of series. He was the lead of like rescue me for many years. Yeah. Yes. Well, Well, after this, is that what you're talking well, about? Yeah, long after, but, long after. But this, yeah. he, he was this uh, cigarette, chain-smoking, ranting stand-up comedian. comedian. Like He was sort of yeah. the, uh, the heir apparent to Sam Kinison in that sort of ranting, angry diatribe. And the ref and this movie were, were taking advantage of that persona and making him this like angry monologist, you know, like saying, um, monologues, monologues, yeah. you mean? <laughs> I thought it was pronounced monologist. I, I've huh. heard monologist huh. when you do right. like, uh, a system brigade has the like monologist. No, you're right. You're right. No, I, yeah. I take it back. You guys are right. I apologize. Uh, but he, you know, he, he was known Stand to down, like, Chen. Yeah, stand I'm stood, down. I'm standing down. I'm standing you're down. You're talking to two, was... two totally rad dudes here. <laughs> have each other's back. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Uh, <laughs> You know what? If Alex was here, he'd say the same thing. Uh, uh, but yeah, you know, these angry monologues and like the, the way that this movie sort of puts him into that position to be, as Dan talked about the trailer, like be this voice that's that's just ranting at them. And sometimes the movie isn't even paying attention to him. He's just like ranting in the background. I don't know. I found that kind of fun. And um, there's a lot of things that are bad, but I, there are it's interesting how this movie is shot sort of like a horror movie. It's lit sort of like a horror movie. It was fun for me to go back and watch a movie that clearly didn't have a huge budget and there's zero visual effects. Like we don't see movies anymore that just don't have visual effects, you know, especially action movies. Uh, all of the gunshots in this movie you can see are like little fireworks stuck to the side of things. It's, you know, it was sort of charming to go back in time that way. I agree. Not a classic but certainly one that has stuck in my mind and will always be that perfect example of, oh, maybe we shouldn't be making this decision right now. And I just love that as a jumping off point for, you know, a crazy action movie. Well, can, can we dig into this Dennis Leary thing? And Dave, maybe you can go first on this because I, I, I really wrestled with 
his casting because the way that the opening scene plays to me as an adult is as if I'm supposed to be truly terrified of this guy in the shadows who just kills this guy. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. scene where you're introduced to Dennis Leary's character. When you're introduced, like if that, yeah. that's like, it's Anton Chigurh, you know, yeah. like, you don't even see his face until right. the gunshot right. illuminates it. Right, know? right, right, right. And it's doesn't play that way as an adult, as an adult, it's funny, or at least my memory, you know, cause I also had the memory of him being the cinecom and it's leaning into the cast Dennis Leary. And he did this a, a number of times, even like, uh, I think there's a movie called Gunman where he played a henchman, and um, that oh, I love. Oh, there's the movie and, The Ref, right? Where he uh... well, well, The Ref, he's the main guy. I was going to say like in Demolition Man, he, like there was a period in which he was hired to like do his thing. Look, the way that we still do that today of like Will Ferrell before he became the lead was like, oh, have Will Ferrell because he'll bring that to the movie. He'll bring his flavor to the movie. Right. Right. And Dennis Leary, like in Demolition Man, has a whole rant about the like downtrodden who are living below in the like utopian society that's above, you know? Um, and so he in, very much was like brought on to like be that character that I'm sure he wrote some of his own stuff um, and they wanted to include that. Um, to bring that flavor to the movie. It makes the movie, for me, it makes the movie not scary anymore, but it does make it interesting. And I, I guess I wonder, are you guys, I, I just wonder about the decision. Is it, was it, would it have been better to have cast someone that would have made it terrifying um, or at least what it, you know, intended to be terrifying yeah. or was it interesting that you have, um, Someone was it was it anti was it juking from the norm and saying oh we can enjoy our villain it just I don't know the premise withstood that but I could see that working today I don't know I'm conflicted about it what do you think Dave I would say it, he's a competent villain is what I would say I, I I bought it but I agree I was never truly terrified um, there was a there was like an interesting moment when he accidentally murders one of his henchmen <laughs> that was kind of like. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, I guess he's yeah. supposed to be really scary, you know? Like, yeah. I don't think but, it's accidentally. Like, he's, he's, yeah, he knows what he's doing. But <laughs> uh, I agree with you that, yeah, if you had had, like, uh, Javier Bardem, Anton Chigurh style, like, it would have made the movie, it, given this movie an extra level of menace that I definitely don't think it has right now. I didn't, mm -hmm. I took him seriously as a villain. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, I believe that guy's mm -hmm. a villain, you know, but I was never like, yeah. You know, I was I was never personally afraid. Like Anton Chigurh is like, you're afraid that guy is gonna be a real person in real life and come get you. You know what I mean? I, I was mm -hmm. never really afraid that Dennis Leary poses any threat to anyone, really. Other than well, Chigurh yeah. is also like a little mundane too. Like it's like, oh, I I've seen that guy at like the gas station or something. I'm like, I've created a whole backstory for this, whereas Leary is all like very flashy, very showy. But I love the opening scene. I will say, like the he steps out of the shadows and you only see his face from the like flash of the gun, yeah. which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's the mm -hmm. first time. We also know nothing about them, and they we get. We get a sense that they're drug dealers, but we kind of don't know at, at all what, what their business is yeah. or how they go about it. We know nothing about them at all. All we, all we know is that they don't, they don't like those hoity-toity people from the suburbs. Is really, <laughs> it's really Clearly he has a lot of free time. He didn't have any plans this night. You could just like, you know, go. <laughs> it really is like, but it's interesting viewing this movie in light of today because there really is this kind of class war element to it um, yeah. that mm -hmm. is very relevant in the movies that we've been watching over the course of the last year 
uh, of like this guy, Dennis Leary's character, clearly resents these people because they have uh, a lot of advantages that he theoretically never had. They have wealth that he never had. They are viewed differently by society than him. And they have a car with a satellite dish on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. So let me just say, here's what I liked about this movie is what I liked about this movie, Judgment Night, is I never knew what I was going to get next, right? Like you, you, you never knew what kind of set pieces. It's like a series of set pieces. It actually looked more expensive. Like it actually looked kind of expensive to me. The fact that, because many, many different locations, each of which required like fairly elaborate uh, rigging, I would assume, when it comes to uh, yeah, they had clearly had people standing off the side of air in every shot, throwing paper into a fan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it actually <laughs> looked actually kind of expensive to me. Um, but well, it yeah, just, they had to light city block. I yeah, mean, you're, they're yeah. lighting. Yeah, it wasn't like on a studio. And you know, yeah, this yeah. is not like Ten Cloverfield Lane or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, God. This is like requires yeah. some actual. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and what I liked about it is it's like you never know what crazy adventures these guys are going to get to next because. Uh, they're, they're, they, I don't think a single location is repeated. Uh, they go from like all these one location to the next and they encounter these like wild, uh, obstacles that they need to overcome. And I felt like the way they did it overall was like pretty, pretty creative. Here's my problem with the movie. I don't like a single one of these characters. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think, yeah. I think that like, yeah. you know, one question I was going to ask you guys is of these characters, which one do you relate to the most? Because I'm going to tell you right now, other than the part about him being a coward and accidentally hitting that kid with the car, my character is Jeremy Piven. He's the only one that seems to know what is happening here, right? He, he's the only one that, like, when they hit the kid with the car, and he's like, guys, who knows what this kid's involved in? And by the way, by taking him on, like, we're imperiling ourselves. Nobody's fucking listened to this guy. And, like... You know, he's the smart one. Emilio <laughs> Estevez. philosopher over here. Uh, what we owe each other is fuck him. <laughs> Emilio Estevez, <laughs> as far as I can tell, consistently does things that gets these people into peril. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's like, oh, I'm a nothing, hero. I'm a hero. Nothing to root for, so, so. To root for yeah. with Emilio Estevez's character, in my opinion. But I'm curious, like, which, which character do you guys relate to most? Steven Dorff, Cuba Gooding Jr., Emilio Estevez? Do you have answers no, for like, that? This is... This is Dorf's movie. Like he doesn't really get much it's of a chance, Dorf's. but he's also it's like it's Dorf's. He, he's like he is the normal guy. He's the guy that everybody thinks is a screw up. You know, like nobody really has any faith in. And yeah, he doesn't really accomplish much. But he is the normal guy, whereas everybody else is like trying to be these archetypes. Who, yeah, just yeah, don't end up going so well. Hashtag well, it's kind it's of that it's hashtag it's Dorf's. Yes, uh, the it is kind of funny that. Uh, that basically, if you're going to attribute an arc to our main character, it's learning to be more toxically masculine, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was the yeah. flaw. That's yeah. exactly what I was. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, it's like the whole the whole setup is, man, you really lost your balls, bro. You know, and uh, man, if you were if you were the man you were five years ago, you would have punched that guy in the face. You know, it's like uh, and then by the end, he's like, yeah. I killed the bad guy. Now, you know, it's very much a holdover from. I'm going to go home to my baby. Yeah. (laughs) The, the, the thing that really, um, disappointed me as a kid was I was a giant Emilio Estevez fan, um, mainly from young guns too. And mighty ducks. Yep. Kind of. Yeah. I don't think Mighty ducks has happened for me yet with, but, but the, the I wanted he was sort of this is like and this is as just 
a stretch of an analogy, but in a way he was sort of what Chris Pratt is now and him and Marty and Marty <laughs> and uh, Michael J. Fox represented the like roguish, funny, um, witty rebel um, in all of his insane animals fire and breakfast club and, um, yeah. and then, and Stakeout and young guns too, especially. Um, and, uh, and in this movie, it was kind of like what happened as a kid when you watch blade runner and you're like wanting Han Solo and you are not getting Han Solo out of that. And and it, and I, I like, it didn't allow me to like Blade Runner when I was younger, you know, because of that. And this, mm. like, I wanted, I remember always wanting, wishing that he was Steven Dorff. Like I wanted, I wanted Estevez to play that character. That's what I wanted out of him. And he ends up having no fun, no funny, um, nothing yeah. to enjoy. Even uh, his like last line is his like one liner, you know, his Arnold Schwarzenegger, James oh, yeah. Bond style one liner is like really bad. He says like, you're, you're on, on your, your own, own buddy. And like, that's, yeah. his, that's his line that he uses yeah. to kill Dennis Leary is you're on yeah. your own, buddy. Uh, I do. You know what? I will applaud something though. Now realizing in retrospect, it is cool that they only killed one of them off. Like it wasn't about, yeah. it wasn't 10 Indians. It wasn't like one of them get picked off one by one until the, like, it's kind of rad that one of them doesn't make it, which is deeply upsetting. Um, but the rest, <laughs> like, yeah, you don't need to like have to kill everyone in the movie for it to be suspenseful. And, you know, um, although arguably, but the, the yeah. thing that bothered yeah. me the most was like, he, yeah, I agree with you guys that the message of the movie is be more toxic masculinity, like, you know, be more of that. Um, but, he, you know, Cuba Gooding Jr. at one point is like, hey, we got to stay and fight these guys. And Emilio Estevez is like, no, like, that's dumb. Why would we ever do that? Doesn't even put together that, like, Dennis Leary has his wallet and his, like, personal information, <laughs> even though, yeah. like, he's already taunted right. him with that stuff. And he's like... Yeah, dude, your family is in peril unless you do something with, about these guys. You know. Um, yeah. Anyway, also, it, it, the, I mean, one of the things we haven't even talked about that I kind of loved in watching this movie is how it just couldn't happen today. You know, yeah. first of all, cell they would cell have phones. they would have uh, maps, you know, a GPS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they would not get lost. You know. <laughs> Secondly, uh, there isn't actually a cell phone in this movie. But only one, so we can have one character pretend to lose it because he doesn't want them to call anybody. But the r entire rest of this movie would just be people trying to get a cell phone signal, yes. you know? Uh, and it frustrated me so much when they finally got to the, uh, the projects. And the way that they knocked on doors was, hey, can we use your phone? Not, <laughs> not call 911 right now. You know, if, you, if I'm knocking on someone's door in that situation, I don't ask them to use their phone. Yes. I tell them to call 911. Yes. Call 911. A man with a gun is in the building, you know? <laughs> but they're like, oh, nobody's going to help us when we say, hey, can we come in your house and use your phone? <laughs> I, I agree. It's so it's so bizarre. Like, they don't behave in smart ways throughout the course of the movie, and that, that kind of bothered me. There was an interesting section around that area when they, were like, went to the sewer, and... Uh, I wanted to ask you this, Dan. Like there was, so there was weird. like multiple split diopter shots, which very much yeah. placed this movie in yeah. the '90s, right? For those yeah. who don't know, split diopter is like uh, it, it basically is, allows you to have a shot where something very close to the camera is in focus, and something very far away from the camera is in focus. Uh, Dennis Leary's mouth, for example. Dennis Leary's. Yeah. Teeth. I now know what Dennis Leary's <laughs> gum line looks like. 
Uh, <laughs> and I was curious, like, what, uh, you know, how, how that section worked for you. Because it was so weird. It was, like, very, like, moody. This is a very moody section in the middle of this, fair, you know, thriller like that had a lot happened. of momentum in it. Yeah, I, I, I thought maybe there was a bit before. It was happening throughout. I don't. I wouldn't call that a 90s thing. I think it is a suspense. I mean, it, suspense movie vernacular. I, De Palma used it a lot. And I think, I, I mean... It's I think it's a genre trope a little bit yes. um, for whatever reason. Um, and because it's certain I think it Susan Kane certainly I feel like innovated it. But maybe maybe just I think it, it was it. And Susan Kane, obviously not a suspense thriller, but I think Hitchcock used it a lot. And maybe yes. that's why it became the thing of De Palma aping Hitchcock and then people aping De Palma. And, and that's how it happens. But um, yeah, that was really weird. Uh, there's some great moment there. I, I mean, I. When you know it's character leaning against a wall and you're seeing them panicking um, in that like Jurassic Park kitchen moment style. By the way, Jurassic Park came out a year before this, just to put in context that's the, wow. the, the, crazy. Wow. the quality of the movie. You know? <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Think, I think The Fugitive may have come out in 90, also 90, this year. 91, I think. Same I think year. Same year. Yeah. Oh, same year. Same year. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's not – you can't totally blame <laughs> – time period times, uh yeah. but but it is cool i mean i i thought some of the filmmaking was rad yeah. um and uh and that stuff is equally off-putting and takes you out as it is interesting and and a good piece of suspense storytelling sometimes it just it just there was maybe like jj's lens flares like a couple too many that um make you notice it you know yeah um yeah, yeah. but but I was kind of like, uh, I, I get what you're going for with this diopter is like, you want this, yeah. these people to like be like evil basically. And that's, you know, that's kind of where it clashes with the casting there. I think like he's just not that menacing, unfortunately, Dennis right. Leary isn't, you know? Uh, right. he's a, and I, I say that actually as a compliment, like he seems like a nice, relatable guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, well, certainly he made a career later about being a nice, relatable guy. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. Gents, I think we've been going really long on this movie, uh, far longer than we'd originally estimated. But, you know, I think we had a lot That's, to say. Don't, can we, I don't want to go back to the real world, please. <laughs> <laughs> we got to wrap up. Jeff, you said you had more thoughts on the soundtrack. Did you want to share any of those before we wrap up? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I, I mean, I guess I kind of mentioned it, but it, mm -hmm. it, it is, it was a soundtrack I purchased on yeah. compact disc as a child. Alan Silvestri, mm -hmm. man. Alan Silvestri. Well, like, Alan it sounds Silvestri like did, all that good stuff. Did the score. Yeah, but I mean, the score. I mean, it okay. was a complete repeat of the score from yes. Predator. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we had, so here's some of the tracks that are on the um, official motion picture soundtrack album, which, <laughs> so Run DMC with Living Color did a song called Me, Myself, and My Microphone. Um, we got House of Pain with Helmet. We got Cypress Hill and Pearl Jam on a track. We have yeah. Dinosaur Jr. and Del the Funky Homo Sapien. This was the song of 1993, basically. Yeah, yeah. Slayer and Ice-T did a song called Disorder, which <laughs> was a huge hit, a biohazard and onyx. So this was the idea is you stick this sort of hardcore rap with hardcore grunge and see what happened. Faith No More and uh, right. Booyah Tribe. It, you know, it, it, and I think the results were really cool and really interesting for the time and kind of pushed rap forward, I think, as, a, as it, it introduced it to even more white kids, really. And uh, I think it was um, it, it was an interesting experiment. And I think one of the reasons this movie perseveres in my mind and probably for a lot of people was that. Mm hmm. 
Mm-hmm. This sure. is a good question, but, by the way. Like, what is the best '90s soundtrack album? Because I think a lot of people go to like ooh. Batman Forever. That was quite good. Wow. Spawn, Whoa. Spawn, come Dude, on, Batman Forever, yeah. amazing soundtrack. Amazing, hundred percent, hundred percent serious. No joke. Just gonna yeah. say, just gonna say the Crow, and he's right. The Crow's um, good. I'm not gonna say the Crow. I'm gonna say Singles. Ooh. What? Oh, that's that's like ninety. That's really wow. on the cusp. But yeah, wow. yeah, that's what. That's super on the cusp. That's almost on the eight. cusp. Yeah. Oh, on dude, the... it's all. Are you kidding? It's all grunge. <laughs> all grunge. It's but when they, it's 90, 90, 1990 or ninety one or something. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm looking it up right yeah. now. Single yeah. soundtrack. Oh, man. And also, Mortal Kombat. Like, come on, Mortal Kombat was a big part of my life. That whole soundtrack, so good. But wait, I didn't Singles, like any of those. Motion but... picture cha- soundtrack, nineteen ninety two. Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Chris Cornell, Mother Love Bone, Soundgarden, Mud Honey, <laughs> Paul Westerberg, Jimi Hendrix Experience, Screaming Trees, and the Smashing Pumpkins. Is there something that's more 90s than that? No. Yeah, it's a huge, huge, that was huge for sure. I mean, it's Cameron Crowe. It was, uh, it's, yeah. you know. It's a movie um, about the 90s. For sure. Yeah, but. Very early, you know. But yeah. it, it defined, the, I think it defined that decade, man. Yeah. Oh, oh no, no, no. Pearl Jam is in that movie. Wait, I have you beat. I have it beat. Oh, shit. It's obvious. What am I gonna say? <laughs> uh, Pulp Fiction. No, no. It is the most '90s. It defined the a gen. It defined underlying generation. A generation. It defined a generation. <laughs> the Matrix. No, no, no. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. It doesn't get more '90s than Winona Ryder. Reality bites. Uh, oh, reality yeah. bites. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. literally about to say reality bites before you gave that hint. So now I feel. <laughs> okay. If only, if only okay. there wasn't a giant pause waiting for you to save something, Dave. <laughs> I. <laughs> I'm gonna delete that hint in the final episode, so it sounds oh, like I just knew it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Reality bites soundtrack has. Uh, where is it? Uh, reality bites. New order. Crowded House, you two, all I want is you, Lisa Loeb. That's 90s. Stay, stay yeah. is like. 90s. I mean, that song, I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, My sh- the knack. I don't know. I still I still take singles over this, but that's just me. I mean, right. I don't really want to listen to any of it, but I just. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to think about listening to it. So, yeah. anyway, all right, we should wrap up. Uh, but. Dan Trachtenberg, thanks so much for joining us today. You can find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. Email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Stay tuned to be reminded what we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, Dan Trachtenberg, where can people find more of your stuff on the interwebs? Um, well, I'm on Twitter, Danny TRS on Twitter. Uh, and my, I got Cloverfield Lane. 10 Cloverfield Lane is something you probably want to avoid right now. But if you want to watch it, I'm sure it's <laughs> available streaming. Black Mirror episode called Playtest uh, is on Netflix. And The Boys, I did the pilot, the first episode of The Boys is on Amazon streaming. Can I ask you, let me ask you a question uh, about. 10 Cloverfield Lane. I see I see that movie in like all these like collections like you know the Trapped at Home collection or whatever on like digital or at the really? store or whatever um, mm. and I guess I'm curious like what are the what is the sequence of emotions that happens when you see your movie like on sale for $5 like are you like oh I'm really mm-hmm. glad that like people have access to that for such a low price or are you like I put you know seven months of my life into this thing 
and now like you can buy it for a cup of coffee price. You know, like what what is your thoughts when you see a movie like Ten Cloverfield Lane on sale? Well, I had I hadn't, so you just told me. Um, <laughs> but okay. if I had walked through a store to see that, I would have been like, oh my! Like I mean, I I bought Evil Dead Two because I wasn't allowed to see Army of Darkness, so I bought. <laughs> but my mom somehow I don't know slipped through the cracks. Evil Dead Two at the supermarket. Uh, and it became my favorite thing ever, you know? So I, I think if I saw it in a random place and have been like that, I would be like, to me, that's more validating than just merely a playing in movie. Like there's something so cool about it's like, it's, it's been around for so long now that it can be in a bundle with other, yeah. like what other movies is it bundled? Like how cool. It, it um, has permeated the culture so much basically that it can now be bundled, like repackaged in other things. Right. That's cool. That is really cool. You don't remember what it was bundled with? No, I, I remember seeing it. It was on sale recently. Like, you know, I, I browse like video on demand stuff all the time, and I, I see it with some regularity. Oh. You know, like mm, it, mm. like iTunes does sales every week. You know, Amazon does sales every week, and sometimes I'll see it. Like, yeah, like uh, it'll be like the the Mary Elizabeth Winstead collection or something like that. Uh, like, I see. It'll be there, right. you know, and uh, it'll be like heavily discounted or something. And I'm always like, huh, I wonder how the director feels about the thing being heavily discounted. And uh, I guess people might have different opinions, but it's nice that you have such a positive attitude about it because I think that is it does mean like more people have a chance to see it. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeff Kanata, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Well, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata. It's a lot of fear and criticism of the government right now, but I promise I will get back to being positive and talking about fun stuff. Um, and I also do a video game podcast. Another thing that's great to do while you're staying at home and self quarantining. Um, you can find that at five by five TV slash DLC. It's a show called DLC, uh, or wherever you get podcasts. And I'm also still doing the dungeon run. We improvised last week and came up with a watch along episode, which has been released on YouTube, which was kind of fun. We watched an old episode. We all got on webcams, the whole cast and I, and we watched an old episode. It was fun. I got pretty wasted and it was, it was a good time. <laughs> it was a good time. So you can watch that on YouTube. Um, but we are now moving forward. We have a plan to actually do Dungeons Dragons content from our homes. And I think it's actually going to turn out pretty good. Um, so I'm really excited. I hope you get a chance to watch it, but even if you aren't watching us live at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time, what better time than now to catch up? We, I mean, it's hundreds of hours of incredible storytelling content, Dungeons and Dragons played live. It's really, you don't need to know anything about Dungeons and Dragons. It's just, we're telling an epic fantasy story. You can start at episode one on YouTube or as an audio podcast. You can find it by searching for the dungeon run, either on your podcast uh, listening app of choice or on YouTube. Uh, I really hope people take this opportunity to give it a shot because I think you'll like it. I have gotten so many people saying, oh my gosh, it's amazing. I didn't even know uh, that I would like something like this. And it, it really is something I'm very proud of. So give it a shot. The Dungeon Run. How about you, Devendra? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra. I write about tech at Engadget.com. And I'm also hosting the Engadget podcast there. So check that out. Going to have some interviews with uh, Alex Garland up soon talking about devs. And also uh, the folks behind Half Life Alex. So that'll be a fun listen Ooh. to in the next few weeks. Yeah. Mm. Very check excited out, about that. Uh, check out my other podcast, Culturally Relevant, at culturallyrelevantshow.com. This week, uh, I did a 40 minute uh, conversation with myself about the coronavirus. <laughs> so if you want to hear that, check that out. Uh, and next uh. week on this podcast, we're going to be discussing Bloodshot. 
the Vin Diesel action <laughs> comedy. Bloodshot. He has superpowers. Should I be think. a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. We'll see you later. We watch the movies.